You're listening to the New Century Multiverse, Stone Spring Maidens. Part 2 A Meeting of Minds. Chapter 9 When Harry Met Penny. Washington, January 4th, 1884. Harry was roused from her bed by truth. Get up. We're going somewhere special today. Uh. She chirped with a new vigor in her tone. And you won't need your snow coat. Technically, we're not leaving Langley. This cryptic use of language was enough to jumpstart Harry into the burning curiosity she'd been feeling ever since this trip was suggested. She allowed herself to be briskly bathed and dressed, though she still refused to let her sister administer to her now fairly alarming head of coarse and kinky hair. Soon enough, the pair of them stood at the gates of a room Truth had been through several times since last August, when James had performed his task in there. The Stone Company guards stood aside, and one of them turned the central handle, which resembled a ship's wheel constructed from solid steel. The vault door opened with a thunk and a release of air. Harry perked up as she recognized a familiar sound. It was an ethereal breeze, slowly rushing in and out, as though the universe was audibly breathing. She was finally hearing the wind door in there. And, now revealed in the entrance to the vault, stood an extraordinary figure clad in a white suit with fuchsia pink jewellery and eyes to match. She smiled as she saw the two sisters, and Harry spotted a small curved bronze-coloured device on the delicately sculpted bistro table beside her. She spied another wrapped around and inside one of the stranger's pointed ears. Truth then pulled a matching device from a yellow velvet bag in her pocket and slipped it on. This new person spoke in an elegant, flowing language which sounded like music. Truth responded cordially. It's lovely to meet you again as well. My sister's ready. No, I haven't told her anything. This is all going to be new. The glamorous figure tapped her left inner elbow as her almond eyes ran over Harry. Give her your arm. She's going to inject you with a serum that will stop you getting sick while you're over there. Harry blinked and obliged as the walls of her reality began to blur. The woman strode over, holding a hypodermic needle encased in what looked like brass, and took Harry's outstretched arm. Prior to sterilizing the skin, her thumb brushed over the inside of Harry's elbow, causing a shiver of unanticipated pleasure, a response noted silently by the stranger. There was a sharp pinch as the needle entered Harry's vein and deposited the concoction into her system. A bandage was lightly applied and the contoured gizmo was placed over her right ear, a soft little bud nesting inside. Do you understand me now? The woman spoke, but her voice seemed closer, and while there were faint sounds of what she had said in her own language echoing away into the background, what Harry heard, clear as day, was English. Yes. Yes. I I can understand. She sat up in surprise, immensely gratified that these words were, in turn, understood. Then your lip shell is working. The very concept of a miniaturized wearable translator was almost too much to take in. She could barely believe this was happening. 
Any minute now she would awaken and Edison would be there, gruffly depositing a bowl of porridge on her nightstand as it was his turn to feed the invalid breakfast. Well then, let's get going. I'm Calendula Renwick and I'm going to make sure you have a fabulous first day among our people, said the woman, bending and taking Harry's hand to plant a firm kiss upon the fingers. What happened next took about 30 minutes in real time, but passed in peculiar ellipses for Harry. She was wheeled into the vault and through the wind door, then through a tent lined with technical instruments and glowing amber light. Then the tent flap was pulled back to reveal a world so vast and so beautiful and intricate that her conscious mind could not contain what she was seeing, smelling and hearing. Her eyes glazed and she went inside herself as she and Truth were loaded into a carriage mobile under guard. Calendula was talking for quite a while before she noticed Harry's mental absence. Truth reassured their guide that she was fascinated, that the tour should continue and that Harry would rejoin them in her own time. Harry recalled motion over smooth paving, the clomp of something's hooves but not horses, and the taste of tangerines, dappled light playing over her face, and some of the words Calendula said, Winterfall, sisters, widgets. Later, she vaguely remembered their vehicle having to pause while a parade of men, watched over by armoured women, marched past, protesting for equal pay, and how Calendula had gotten irate and demanded of their driver that he take them by a different route. A warm breeze that could be identified by James, if he were here, as Mediterranean, moved in through the open windows, kissing her cheeks and forehead. She felt a great swell in her chest. She wished her friends were here with her. And for the first time in too long, she was glad of Truth's company. Gabriella, Day 4 of Frigga, Midwinterfall, 1884 Penny watched a young woman being wheeled into her workshop and liked her instantly. It began with the eyes, inquisitive, shining, darting around the room, taking everything in. Beyond their movement was an expression of wonder and internal activity. There was a busyness inside which Penny recognised. Harry's soft, full lips parted as she breathed lightly, and her head turned on its slender neck, craning around to examine the prosthetic limbs hanging in the soft orange light. It had always struck Penny as a sight at once ghoulish and uncanny, so many legs, arms, hands and feet without bodies, silhouetted and suffused, as though she was backstage at a funfair ghost train, but also each one brimming with possibility. They were inert tools just waiting to be united with bodies in need, each one granting mobility and an abundance of actions that until they met with their owners would be out of bounds. She could have stashed each one in a plain cardboard box and arranged them neatly upon shelves, but Penny had a little taste for the macabre. Besides which she preferred them on display like this for practicality's sake. It kept her mind on their skeletal mechanics, her focus on both their utility and aesthetics. That was what Harry was drawing in and assessing now, and it gave Penny a thrill, 
to see the computations taking place. The young woman was clad in an orange shirt and blue jeans, gathered up and pinned under where her legs ended at the knee. Her hands gripped the armrests of her chair as she finally clocked Penny, and their eyes met. Electricity passed between them, a reckoning of one another, as Penny stumbled internally for an appropriate verbal response. There was a greeting routine that she could usually rely upon, but this person was different. All of Penny's showmanship and prideful presentation evaporated. The words would not come. Harry, in turn, suddenly became extremely aware of her own hair. She reached up and yanked the overgrowth down and to one side, hoping to improvise some measure of control over it in the few seconds they had left before someone needed to start talking. Penny spotted this and respectfully drew her eyes away and up to the young woman pushing the chair. To all intents and purposes, the visiting pair looked extremely similar. Truth was clad in a sensible but pretty yellow dress, white cotton gloves, and black pointed leather boots. She had a clean, scrubbed, and made-up face, and wore her hair up in ringlets at the back. Both she and her double had dark brown skin, like Ganny, but their eyes, as they met Penny's, were entirely different. There was a request in them, and underneath the polite officiality, though Penny could not put a finger on the specificity of this, a desperate pleading. Truth was seeing Penny's profession. Harry was seeing Penny. Welcome to my wife's laboratory, Calendula announced loudly. Penny was suddenly aware of the fourth person present and immediately felt apologetic, as though she had betrayed her wife with a mere look. Cal's fuchsia eyes caught hers and held them still. May I introduce Penthesily Renwick, something of a boffin in fake extremities. Penny, this is Truth and Harriet Arlington, who have come all the way from their world to see what you can do by way of replacement legs for this one. She laid a hand on Harry's shoulder. It's lovely to meet you. Penny stepped forward, addressing Truth. The next few steps found her lowering her stance until she was perched on a bench level with Harry. Penny reached out, and Harry instinctually took her hands. At this touch, both of them shivered briefly and simultaneously before squeezing their grip. I I'm so... Harry croaked and coughed before clearing her throat and continuing with vocal cords that had grown long unaccustomed to daily cordiality. Happy to meet you. And are you? Harry looked around the room again and the grip tightened. Penny could feel herself becoming overwhelmed with empathy over the waves of emotion pouring forth from this young woman. She should, by all rights, now be familiar with this feeling. Many of the patients and clients she provided for exhibited it. A sort of bittersweet relief and a wild hope. Frequently there were other responses intermingling. Resentment was not uncommon. Resentment of her and what she peddled, what they now felt reduced to. Resignation, sadness, a sense of disconnection or depersonalization. But what she saw and felt in Harry was a decisive resolution and something else that was rare. Something she could feel in herself, an inventive, future-dwelling potential. Harry's deep brown eyes pulled away from their surroundings and looked back into hers. Penny felt her heart flutter inside. The humans don't all look like this, she heard Cal say from a million miles off. 
Penny dragged herself back to the room. They're identical twin sisters. Well, 75% identical, at least. This last barbed comment hung in the air for a moment and changed the energy. Harry cast her eyes down, shame and self-pity vying for dominance, and Penny felt a flare of anger and disgust that was quickly overcome by guilt. Cal! Her follow-up froze in her throat. I'm just joking, my pet. Harriet knows why she's here. Calendula said airily, breaking away from the group to stroll around the room. She selected a set of dark wooden calves with a basic jointed ankle and foot design that Penny had outmoded sons ago. She returned and tossed one of the limbs towards her wife. This kind should do, unless you have something more provocative to flaunt. Penny gripped the heavy calf prosthetic, feeling the press of hard wood under her fingertips. I do think we can do better than this, Cal. I'm, I'm grateful for whatever you can give. And their gaze was locked together again. Truth and Cal melted away, along with the room. The two young women hung in this absence of space as a quiet calm descended. No, we're going to get you something special. How do they work? The Elaine smiled and responded in a hushed whisper. I'll show you. You have been listening to episode 9 of Stone Spring Maidens, When Harry Met Penny, written, edited and directed by Alexander Shaw. Truth Arlington and Penthesily Renwick, performed by Theo Lee. Harry Arlington, performed by Loretta Saylor. Calendula Renwick, performed by Sharon Shaw. Narration by Alex Shaw. Stone Spring Maiden's theme, Far Destiny, composed and performed by I. Sazanov of Shockwave Sound. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. The Machine Thinks, performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Many soundscapes, including Lush World and Mushroom Forest by Tabletop Audio. And the New Century Multiverse is now part of Fireside Alliance, a progressive community of progressive communities. Come find us at firesidealliance.com and come say hi on the Discord. Stone Spring Maidens is available in a gorgeous paperback from Amazon.com, along with the previous nine stories from the New Century Multiverse and the two newest, Panthasol and Nightfall of the Wendigo. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon. Our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you too. Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolfe, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Finn Barnicol, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksh, Marty Huey, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns.